0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's it's, it's time to talk that talk and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now here's your host, Mark. Hey, welcome to the stinking truth podcast. It's a championship weekend, probably we always say Divisional Weekend is the best weekend in sports, but this is the best day, right, because it's all on one day. You've got the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship all in one day for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Alongside Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlerth. Uh Great to be with you guys, and um, we did the—I well, forgot to bring my notebook with me with the picks, but— I'm we already established that I'm kicking. Do we do we even want to do picks? Today? Yes, we do. Oh yes, okay. all right, yes. All right. All right. I just okay. I'm just, I'll just check. Okay. I'll just check. You can't come back and I a, need to build some momentum going into the off season. Okay. All right. Momentum <laughs> building in the off season. Hey, uh, anyhow, how are you, buddy? I am really excited. And and now that we're down to the final four. Uh-huh. When you think back to the beginning of the season, I don't know if we gave our championship game predictions, but uh where would you have placed these matchups, the likelihood of these matchups, mm. these teams, yeah. way back when this thing hall started? I think everybody would have had, you know, everybody would have had a combination of probably Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Cincinnati without the injuries, right. and then Baltimore would have been there. Like if there were four teams in the AFC that you yeah. would look at as contenders. Those would be your four, so two of your four are in there. And then I think you would have looked at San Francisco, Dallas probably, Philly. Philly. I don't know that Detroit would have been in your final four. This is a surprise team. Yeah, Detroit's the surprise. Well, well, they've been—like, everybody picked them to win the NFC North, but did anybody really think— that they would be the representative, like AFC South, you you can that because you didn't think anybody was getting in there. So it maybe it was. I, I think Detroit was kind of maybe. labeled. I think Detroit was kind of labeled the team that, while we didn't think that they would necessarily make it to the NFC Championship game, they probably were that team that nobody would want to play. Yeah, you know, one of the favorites wouldn't necessarily want to have to play a Detroit, mm-hmm. but would still probably find a way, Philadelphia, Dallas, for example, to get by them. Right. But hey, here's Detroit still well, standing. Here they are, and this is awesome that they uh that they are in this position. And I think I think if you were if you were just to rate kind of you don't have a you don't have a a dog in the hunt, so to speak. Detroit would be your team, wouldn't it? What do you think the matchup is America's rooting for in the Super Bowl to come out of these two games? Well I think it's the, I think it's it's the two, what people think of as the two best teams. So it would be San Francisco and Baltimore. Oh, I disagree. Oh, really? Oh no, I I think fans are, who don't have a dog in the hunt. Oh, are I'll probably get, looking at it going. I like, to see, I'd like Detroit to see Detroit against. Okay. Now the question is: Do you? Does America want it, does it? Another run at Kansas City, or are they ready for somebody new in Baltimore? That's a great question. Because I think Kansas City is. Entered that hallowed ground of you tune in as much with the hopes that they lose right. as much as they win. Well, I mean, and this is not just, uh, this is not me being a jerk. Like, Baltimore doesn't rate, Baltimore, this is just rating, this is television 101. Right. Like, I've had this conversation with with John Harbaugh, like, hey, we don't, you know, we don't get the respect that we deserve. And he's right, They they don't. They're a really good – they're a damn good football team, been a damn good football team forever. But they're not going to get the lion's share of primetime games. They're just – they're they're Baltimore. They're not. And they understand that, where they come from. I, I'm with you. I I think that America – if America had its druthers, everybody, if you don't have a, uh, you know, dog in the hunt, mm-hmm. you're looking at Detroit because it's a great story. You know, I think it's Detroit, story Kansas line, City. I think it's Detroit-Kansas City. I I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree with you. Well, let's get into the games and see if we arrive at that conclusion. We'll start. Mm -hmm. We'll go right in order. The first game is Kansas City and Baltimore. This is the first time these two have played each other since early in the season in 2021. So it's been a while. Right. There's no real recent history like it was between the the Chiefs and the Bills, for example. So uh, do you look at Kansas City differently now? going on the road than you did a week ago at this time as they were getting ready to go on the road to Buffalo. Um, not really, because I had them going to you Buffalo and winning. Yeah. Um and you know, one thing that's really interesting to me in regards to that Buffalo game and how that kind of moves forward. One of the things that I had said in in this podcast, in different radio stations that I you know that I contribute to over the course or, or over the course of the year, but you know um, it, uh, over you know over different markets in, in America, is that you are silly or stupid or it's bad coaching if you think you're going to roll in against Patrick Mahomes and out Mahomes Mahomes. You're just not, but. Lamar's a little bit different guy, right? Like his ability not only to throw the ball, but more importantly, his ability to extend plays and make big things happen. And one of the things I like about this matchup for Kansas City is one, I think you can disrupt routes. I think their corners, their nickel, I think their guys on the outside are good enough and have been great. Look at Snead, who hadn't given up a touchdown until last game against Buffalo in the end zone that required your quarterback to scramble, to avoid pressure, to get outside the pocket, and to make an absolute, like throw an absolute dime, and Shakur or Shakir or whatever his name is make an unbelievable p- catch in the end zone. Like like all these things had to happen for you to give up your first touchdown pass. So your ability to disrupt routes, disrupt the timing of the offense, and then ultimately to get to Lamar. And one of the things I always say about Lamar is, is can you kind of cage rush him and not allow him to escape all the bodies in the pocket? Because if he escapes the bodies in the pocket, he's going to absolutely eviscerate your defense. And so, like for instance, it was 10 10 at halftime in the game against Houston, and they had sacked him several times. And, you know, they only had a touchdown on a punt return, but he had 54 yards passing at half. Like, you had really shut it down. And then. He started escaping and doing some things, and he ended up rushing for a hundred straight up, hundred yards, and threw two touchdowns. Rushed for two touchdowns, and and the route was on. But can can you make that a sustainable platform throughout, you know, throughout the course of of four quarters? And I think Kansas City has the defense to at least make that interesting. So, you if you're Kansas City, you just you just came off going up against Buffalo, a very mobile. Quarterback, mm-hmm. so in theory, you should be well prepared to go up against another mobile quarterback, unless Lamar is a different kind of, yeah, mobile different, quarterback. different. So, kind how, what's of, the yeah. difference between his mobility and Josh Allen's mobility? Right. Josh Allen's mobility is more straight line run you over. If you're going to do design QB runs, it's more of a QB, you know, quarterback counter that that type of stuff. Where Lamar is just. Like, there's not many athletes that graduate to the to the NFL and still make the rest of the players on a football field look like JV players. Um, it, it is remarkable. His movement skills, his ability to get loose, um, and I think the big difference for Lamar now versus in the last several years is when he does get loose, He's not looking to run first. He's looking to make a pay, play throwing the football. And and that's been the big difference for me, watching him this year, extending plays, getting four, five, six, seven seconds back there where his receivers cut loose, his receivers break out, and the next thing you know, he throws an absolute dime to those guys. And he made some throws, man. Like, the touchdown to Likely in the end zone where he basically threw a back shoulder to him. Like he was completely covered, and Lamar throws it on his back shoulder in the end zone up for him to go make a play away from the DBs leverage. Like that stuff has shown dramatic, you know, like dramatic growth in Lamar's game. He's been tremendous. Well, the numbers back you up. Uh, this year he went for a career high, almost thirty seven hundred uh, yards passing. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's married now the the run running ability, uh, and he's doing a lot more with his arm, throwing the football. Uh, ultimately, do you still like the Chiefs as much as you liked them last? Because yeah. you were – I'll give you credit. You were right from the, the moment this matchup was <laughs> – became known that it was going to be Kansas City and, and Buffalo. You liked Kansas City. Yeah. And you liked them all week long. Are you as strong in your conviction uh, of the Chiefs this time around? No, I, I'm not. I think Baltimore's a better team. Mm-hmm. Um One of the things that, like, one of the things defensively, man, they are so fast, and they are so good in their front seven. And, you know, they don't, believe it or not, they don't play as much man coverage as you would think. They've got a lot of simulated pressure, but they get to you with four- and five-man rushes. And one of the things I think they do a tremendous job just on their defensive front is they've got two linebackers on the inside in Queen and Roquan Smith that can flat run. So a lot of times they dictate protections to you. So let's say you want to slide a protection and and you've got like a they, like you're in in you know two tight ends like West slot and you've got a nickel corner over a you know a slot receiver or you're in two by two you know, and spread, and you've got two guys on the edge. What they'll do with their middle linebackers is they'll walk up. And what happens to me, let's say I'm a guard or a center, and you're a linebacker, and you walk up on me, meaning you walk right in the line of scrimmage, and you stand over me. And we've got a slide, and we want to go out and take care of that corner in case he blitzes off the edge. Well, now, instantly, that that's off. Now I've got to go, man – Up front, where you walk up on me with that linebacker. Well, normally for us, that says, well, we'll just beat you with an inside slant because nobody could get to that hole. So it becomes a very easy cat and mouse game. Oh, you're going to do that? Well, we're running the slant, kind of almost a blitz side adjust offense, and we're going to hit that, and that's an automatic 8 to 12 yards every every time you do it. Well, the thing about Baltimore is they can walk up Queen or they can walk up Smith, and then they can fly out to that hole and they can be there before that receiver has a chance to get out of his break because they've got that kind of speed and athleticism. So then what happens? Well, the guy that comes up, blitzes off the edge because you held him with that middle linebacker. You can't all of a sudden turn it. It's done. He's unblocked. And so they're really good at attacking your protection. And one of the things I thought about is, you know, back in my day, we as an offensive line called everything. So if we called two jet in the huddle, man, we came out and we had our little code words for what we were doing. And the quarterback wasn't overriding us. We were sliding or taking whoever we were taking. And if we wanted to override it, we did. But the quarterback didn't. That wasn't his job. And so it's almost imperative when you're playing Baltimore, because they're so good at attacking your protection, when the, when the quarterback re-identifies the mic and says, oh, no, no, it's not 50, we want to go to 42, you know, or for in in their case, hey, we don't want to go to, you know, Roquan Smith, what is he, zero, we're going to go to six, or he used to be 58, but whatever his number, I think he's zero now, we're going to go six, go to six, go to six, well, all of a sudden, what, what Baltimore does is go, okay, we're going to change where our blitz is coming from where pressure's coming from. We know you're turning that way. We know that backside is man-to-man. So now we're going to come from that backside, and we're going to need a free runner at your quarterback. And so it's almost imperative that you don't let them play that cat-and-mouse game. Um, And certainly, Kansas City has the veteran leadership and players to do that. I'm going to do this for all four teams, okay? And Uh so we'll start. Kansas City wins this game if they do what? If they – if they can eliminate free runners, so a lot of their, a lot of their simulated, they've got a lot. Baltimore does a lot of simulated pressures, so it looks like they're bringing the house, and they end up bringing four. But the fourth guy is a slot corner, the fourth guy is a safety, the fourth guy or is is a linebacker, the fifth guy. If you can eliminate free runners at the quarterback, I think Patrick Mahomes will beat them. Baltimore wins this game if they do what? Um, Baltimore wins this game Baltimore wins this game if mm, I think I think Baltimore will win this game if they can run the football effectively. Cuz if they can run the football effectively, it's going to open up the RPO game. It's going to open up the quarterback run on the read zone stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fit right in to a Baltimore and the way Baltimore wants to, to play this game. If you have to get into straight drop back and basically win from a drop back game, I don't think Baltimore, I don't think that's what they do well. It's a, same thing, I think, about San Francisco. Like they ended up winning. There's a reason that the 49ers were one and and thirty minus you know down five points or more in the fourth quarter. They were one and thirty coming back because they don't play the drop back game. That's not their style of football. I don't think. I don't think Baltimore, if they just have to sit and play drop back the whole time, I don't think that's what they do. So if they can run the ball and and maintain the versatility of their offense in the RPO zone read play-action game, then I think they can they can win it. Well, that's good news because Gus Edwards is in the, is in the midst of a um, career year, a very yeah. underappreciated, un- unheralded back, and you're saying he could be the key uh, to this He's game. having a career year, remember. There were other guys that had sure. right J.K. Dobbins yeah, was supposed to be Dobbins, the guy, and they they had the yep. other kid that was a rookie. I think that got hurt. Yep. So yeah, last man standing. sort certainly, and and, and right. he's done uh, he's done really well. Uh, all right. So you like ultimately, you like the Ravens. I like the I like the Ravens yep. in this game. Yes, I agree with you. Okay, let's move over to the NFC, and we okay. got San Francisco and and Detroit. I, I just I, I wonder if you look at San Francisco. Uh, if you have the same confidence in them as you did a week ago at this time, or did their performance against the Packers shake that confidence at all? Yeah, I think, I think that my confidence in them has grown. Hmm. And I think it's grown because they played – they did not play well. You know, for everybody saying, hey, man – You know, their quarterback didn't play well. Well, he played well when the game was on the line and it mattered the most. That's when he played well. And what have I told you about San Francisco? If they don't run the ball effectively. So think about how the game played out. In the first quarter, San Francisco had, count them, one offensive possession. And what does that do to you as a play caller? As a play caller... You start to count possessions, and you start to go shit. In a 12-possession game, we're going to get six? Pucker factor. 7 mm-hmm. And therefore, you get out of what you do well. And I was shocked during the course of that game, especially in the first half, of how much empty gun they were in. It's not what they do the best. It's not what they really run the ball and set up all their play action stuff off their running game. And part of that is, you know, your ability to motion McCaffrey out of the backfield and then all of a sudden have Debo run on the ball. So there's a, there's a mixture there that they lost, and I don't know if Debo's back or not, but they got into a situation where as much as people want to make it, and we all do about offense, right, and Brock Purdy didn't play as well, I thought for me... Of all the games I called for San Francisco this year, which was two, and all the games I watched them play, I thought it might have been the worst performance by their defense that I'd ever watched. I thought, like, they didn't defend the run very well. They got beat up on the line of scrimmage, which, you know, their defensive line, the rotation is great. I thought when Green Bay ran the outside run game, the the transportation series, of the crack, The crack pull stuff. I thought one defensive ends didn't get off the ball, and then that anytime a wide receiver comes down and cracks, Mike on the end of line of scrimmage, that means when he goes down, your guy who's covering's got to come replace. They call it crack replace, and you've got to come and you've got to establish a new edge. So all of a sudden they crack that tackle pulls. You got to meet that tackle in the backfield. You got to turn back everything back into into the the flow of the defense. I thought they were garbage at doing any of that. DN didn't didn't beat the... You, you're not beating the blocks of wide receivers, and your your saf- safeties and corners aren't flying up there and reestablishing a new edge. So Green Bay was able to capture the perimeter of the defense on a consistent basis in the run game. And I just thought that they did... I thought it was probably the worst game I have watched San Francisco play on the defensive side of the ball. And that, to me, from just an Im- pure embarrassment standpoint that to me is going to get rectified. Now the one question or the one concern I really have is their third corner, Ambry Thomas. Um because when they get in the three wide receiver sets, um De Lidor, De no yeah, De- De, Le- Lenore moves into the into the slot and then Thomas comes and plays the other corner and they picked on – he got a couple of P.I. fouls. He, he gave up some easy throw. He gave up some easy completions. Um, on the outside, where he's just giving up too much cushion. Um, he was a liability out there. So are you talking about something that was self-inflicted by San Francisco that's correctable, or is the dreaded blueprint out yeah, no, there? No, no, no. I think, I think it's completely – I think it's completely fixable. Now, you're going up against – I thought – the O line at Green Bay played exceptionally well. You're going up what is arguably one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in football in Detroit. Pinay Sewell is awesome. Uh, Noah Jackson, although he got hurt, uh, is a really good player. Frank Ragnow is great. Um, Glasgow, who we're familiar with here in Denver, he's a good player. Uh, Decker is a good player. But they do a really good job of mixing it up. Their two running backs are outstanding. They've got great offensive, offensive personnel. I, I, love what, I love what Detroit does with their two running backs, um, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. But which one do you think is better suited for that San Francisco defense, what San Francisco likes to do? Mm-hmm. What, which running back would you want to feature? Against San right. Francisco, you know, Gibbs got, or Montgomery. Right, I've got so much of this. They have a system, and they have a series of things that they do in that system, and that system is is Montgomery is your lead back, and Jameer is your Jamir is your um adjunct back or your you know your change up back and. You, know, you get so many people. I was on a show yesterday that people were like, he only got 13 touches, you know, and he had X number of rushes or X number, you know, you need to get him 20 touches or 25 touches. Like, that's not how they operate their system. And so they can play one back with either Gibbs or Montgomery or they can get into, you know, what a lot of teams will call 21 pony. So it's a two-back system, but that other back becomes more of a receiver and the other backs, the the ball carrier, like it, there's a there's a there's a balance there, and they use that balance, and they use it exceptionally well. And once they wear that defense down a little bit, and they get them, you know, matched in that three wide receiver set, they get a favorable look in the running game, and they've worn them down to a bit. Now all of a sudden, you change it up with that speed and athleticism of Gibbs, where they were defending Montgomery early, and now all of a sudden Gibbs. With a little bit of extra burst, a little bit of extra quickness, he takes that four or five yard power run, just physical run that Montgomery Montgomery was getting, and all of a sudden he pops it out for twelve or fifteen. Like there's a there's a a, a method to their madness. So I'm like, hey, it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, like they've got a great they've got a great um, kind of give and take with their running back situation right now. I wouldn't fix it. And let me just tell you this with with Detroit. And that's as talented as an offense. Almond Ross St. Brown is incredibly talented. In the middle of football field, Sam Laporta is unbelievably talented. Those two backs are as good as you get, one-two combination. Um, Then they got Reynolds. They've got Jamison Williams. they've uh, They've got dudes that can flat play. So they can beat you. They can personnel you to death. They can rotate different personnel groupings, and they can do a lot of different things out of those personnel groupings. And Jared Goff. Um, in the middle of the football field, his ability to be accurate on time and really just not see a window that he can't throw it into, like he is really good. So it, that, that they're, they're a really outstanding offense. Where, where's your confidence level in golf on the road? Because maybe it's unfair, and it's not a huge difference, but it, at least when you look at home-road splits, yeah, 19 and 6, 19 touchdowns, 6 picks. At home, only 11 touchdowns, six interceptions right. uh, on the road. Uh, the completion percentage is 70% at home. It's uh, it's about 65 on the road. Again, we're not mm-hmm. talking about huge differences, but we, we do right. see differences. So where would your, your confidence level be in golf on the road? Well, I think one of those games I did, I think, in Chicago, he threw three picks. And yeah. I did that game, and it was about, you know, it was about – 12 degrees with the wind in chicago it was a miserable day and you know chicago was doing a great job of controlling the tempo of the game controlling the clock controlling the run game with their quarterback and so there were some chances you had to take and like it it wasn't a great day for detroit it's just the way it was um but, yeah, there. I mean, there is, you know, it's always tougher on the road with crowd noise and everything else. It's always going to be a little bit tougher. So I get all that. Um, but those splits aren't that dramatic to me. I'm not that concerned. Offensively, man, they're a really good football team. So I'm not that concerned. And I think the weakness right now of San Francisco is their defensive secondary has been banged up. They've had a lot of different guys that have rotated in there. They've had a lot of make a lot of changes in their back end. Um, safeties that have been hurt, you know, uh, uh, who fungus has been out since middle of the season. Um, you know, Gibson is, is been in and out of the lineup because of injury. They've had cornerback issues. I know they wanted to move on to Jason Verrett, who's a outstanding. He just has never been healthy. The guy is more snake bit than anybody in the history of the national football league, uh, at the cornerback position. They really wanted to transition and move into him because he's so talented and he is he's so good and, and that didn't pan out for them so you know Thomas is is probably their sixth guy that they're operating at corner so it, it, you know they've got some issues there and i think Detroit can take advantage of that to some degree same thing i did with the afc game detroit wins this game if they do what if they can create some turnovers on the defensive side of the ball i think they're i think the biggest question mark to me with detroit is i love cj gardner johnson being back he brings some energy but you know we used to refer to him as war daddies like guys that you just have to have a plan for like oh my god how are we going to take care of this guy as a blitzer how are we going to take care of this guy as as a cover corner how are we going to take care mostly this guy's a linebacker or a pass rusher And if they have one dude that's a war daddy, we're good. Mm -hmm. We'll take care of that guy formationally. We'll take care of that guy. Sometimes you run at that guy. Sometimes you run away from that guy. Sometimes, you know, you have a protection plan for that guy. If you have two guys, now there's a problem. Detroit, I'll be honest with you, as one dude. Aiden Hutchinson, you got to take care of here. Now, Brian Branch is a real legit nickel guy but there's one dude on the line of scrimmage that you have to take care of and like mcneil's a really nice player they've got nice players but there's only one dude that i have to be concerned with and one thing about san francisco is they can attack you so many different ways in the running game that they can render you almost useless in your pass rush game because your head's on a swivel trying to figure out where all these sons of bitches are coming from right it's just like <laughs> I've been blocked by seven different guys yeah right we've run one running play we ran for Hutchinson. let's say we ran 18 handoff you know 18 handoff 18 handoff force and now all of a sudden we've blocked you with a tight end tight end and a tackle two tight ends tight end and a fullback just the fullback a wide receiver cracking on you we've blocked you seven different ways and we've run one play and like now all of a sudden we get a pass rush situation or we get a third down and 4 and you get the same action right and your head is like you're like this and then all of a sudden quarterback's drop back he's in a five step drop with a hitch and you haven't even started your pass rush yet like that's how they that's how they get you so they got one war daddy i think they'll be able to take care of him that that that's that's what they end up doing san francisco wins if they do what Like, San Francisco wins, to me, um, if they operate their offense. If they can run the ball and set up their play action, which they were unable to do, part of that was because their defense failed, Mike. But if they can play their offense the way they play their offense, meaning run the ball, set up their run, marry their play action to that run game, so every run play that they're going to run has a – an adjunct play action pass that marries perfectly that looks identical that's how they get so many wide open guys even if it's six yards away from the line of scrimmage they dump a throw to a dude and there's not anybody within 15 yards of the guy it's uncanny how often they get wide open guys they are not and I've said this before I'll say it again they are not a lineup in a static formation and out route run you that's not what they do and and frankly you know, if you were honest, whether it's Ayuk or whether it's, um, you know, whether it's Debo Samuel or whether it's it's George Kittle or whoever, they wouldn't qualify themselves as the greatest route runners in those situations. They run routes perfectly out of the play action that is tied to those routes. That's where they're good. That's what they do. And so if they just do that, if they can do that and be on schedule and they can get the proper amount of possessions – then I think they then I think they ad, end up winning this game going away. All right, so you got the 49ers. I got the 49ers. Okay. Well, should be fun. Yeah. Who do you got? I like San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think San Francisco Okay, but got let's their... just do the the spread. Do you oh, like? Do you like I think the spread was six and a half last time I looked. Do you like them by San Francisco I think I think there's more blowout potential here for San Francisco I do than I... the other game. Okay, so I think w- I'll take San Francisco. <laughs> Minus is six and a half. Yeah, that's where I would go to. What about what about Baltimore KC? What's the Let's line see? of that one? Uh, oh, I think I it just was Baltimore it. three and a half. Yes. <sighs> I think this feels like a field. I I think Baltimore wins, but by a field goal. So I'll We're... take Kansas City plus the points. Okay. Ooh, good. All right, I'll go opposite of you All by right. that. Because that's where I was gonna go to. Kansas City by a field goal, but... Uh, oh, you like Kansas City to win by a field goal? No, no, no. I like I like can't, I like Baltimore to win, but I thought the three and a half was... I thought it would be like a 27-24 a game. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So I'm going to take the benefit of the hook. Okay, so you take Kansas the City. benefit of the hook. So, I'll just go opposite of you because I can't lose. I'm so much well, better than you at strategy's this. strategy's been working now yes. so far in the well, all season long. Yeah. So, um, I'll, go, I'll go. We'll have the same San Francisco... No, I'll just go opposite of you. You're going to take... Detroit plus the points. I'll take Detroit plus the points okay. and I'll take uh and I'll take the Ravens give, give them the, the points. points. Just to go opposite <sighs> of you, just to give you to at least make you feel better about being a loser. Yeah. But That's shouldn't an- these games, because they're the championship games, shouldn't they carry added weight? So just because you have outpicked me in the playoffs thus far. If I outpick you in these games, shouldn't that carry more weight? Because these are the championship games, and then ultimately the Super Bowl. If I get the Super Bowl right and you get the Super Bowl wrong, shouldn't I win overall? <laughs> well, the teams that you had picked wouldn't even be here right now. <laughs> your your picks are so bad. I don't know. We can discuss that later. Hey, for everybody involved in the Trip Podcast, we appreciate you guys, and we'll be back with you after the championship round.